There he is, folks, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> One and only Mitch Shaw. I like that you're casual as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, no. <laughs> Happy New Year. What better way to kick off 2023 than to have our OG, original guest, Mitch Shaw, come join us and give us his prediction for this year. Thank you for all your support. And let's all have an incredible 2023. Hi, Mitt. Thanks for joining me. Hey, T. Happy New Year, pal. <laughs> Happy New Year, sir. Um, what's 23 going to look like, Mitch Shaw? We all want to hear from the expert. Well, you've seen all the economist reports uh, that have come out. So everybody, JP Morgan, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, soft landing, medium landing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. No one said the world's going to end. I think, uh, I agree you know, with that. Would you uh, agree with that? yeah, I, I, I totally, yeah. I totally agree with that. And, uh, and, and, and also no one's suggesting that, you know, GDP growth is going to be significantly kind of, you know, out of, out of whack. I mean, the, the worst, I think most people feel like this is like the recession of 1991. Um, and, you know, no two recessions are ever created uh, equally. But let's just go on record to say there's a there's a there's a technical slash, you know, real moderate recession. I think the reality is, is that, um, you know, you're not supposed to fight the Fed. Um, the Fed, you know, um, uh, probably wasn't happy to see the jobs report today that, you know, hey, um, even in the face of, uh, of their actions, um, you know, small and medium sized businesses are still getting after it. Um, people uh, are, are, you know, are still, um, you know, getting employed. There's new jobs being created. And those uh, and there's a lot of savings and people are spending money. Um, you know, we go to our favorite restaurants. Uh, you, you know, head to the airport, you go, you know, different things and, and you still see people around. Now, confidence should never become hubris. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think, you know, the visibility is what it is. But which I just saw the December numbers, um, um, you know, from Smith Travel, uh, December is up 14 and a half percent. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, uh, to 19, to 2019. So that means, you know, so essentially occupancy was flat, rate was up 14.5%. And we all know in the daily lease business that that kind of has the ability to work pretty positively, um, you know, for, uh, you know, for, for um, our operations. So all that to said, long, long answer to your short question. I think 2023 will be a year that the comps are going to be easier in January and February uh, because of Omicron uh, last year, as we remember. The group business isn't great on the books earlier in the year, too. So there, there's a little bit of buffering. But if you talk to a lot of folks, I mean, there's a lot of group business locked in for you know the better part of the year. Um, and we'll see how many of our REIT cohorts want to provide real guidance. I think they're all more optimistic than not. They're all scratching their heads and wondering why, you know, the stock's trading, you know, against uh, NAB, what what it is. Um, so I think we're going to be surprised to the positive relative to how this year is going to go uh, from a demand standpoint uh, and the stability of demand, um, as well as kind of the overall performance of the industry. And, uh, you know, I think the last comment on that, you know, there's there's. Uh, there's always been this correlation over 30 years between GDP and hotel demand. 
And there's been periods of time where there's a decoupling of that. Um, and I just saw a co-star article that um, that, you know, put a stake in the ground that said 2023 is going to be one of those years where there's going to be a significant decoupling of, uh, of, of, of hotel demand over GDP because of the amount of pent up demand that's still in the system and the fact that small and medium sized businesses um, continue to travel and the demand patterns have totally changed. Right. Thursday nights are big nights. Sunday nights are big nights. I mean, we're up double digits in our portfolio uh, um, Thursday and Sunday nights, like over over 2019. And so you look at, you know, uh, United Airlines, you know, with with their, you know, uh, earnings announcement, they said they think it's a secular change. Um, there's, you know, a discussion that, you know, we a lot of people used to kind of go up and back on these day trips. And now they're like, OK, well, we're going to stick around a little while because I can get my work done. Uh, remotely. So I think all of that, when you put it into the, the overall shaker, um, you know, will leave us more positive uh, at the end of the year than, you know, some might be uh, sitting here on, on January 6th. What's STR's prediction? Remind me for 23. Three and a half, 3.4. Yeah. Right. You think we'll be higher or lower than that? I think we'll be higher. I agree. I mean, again, here we're talking operationally. But I'm, I'm very bullish on 23. And a lot of the people that I talked to are very bullish on 23. I, yeah. I think we had our hotel recession two years ago, right? We had Armageddon two years ago. Yeah. So we're still coming out of that. We've never had the ability to price like we have today with technology and data and information uh, to allow us to move the needle. And it's not just us, right? You know, again, you go 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 rent a car, go to a restaurant, you know, um, there's there's significant escalation. Um, and I think that's a game changer. You know, we used to always come out of these downturns. There's been four recessions uh, up, you know, uh, uh, in, in, in the last, you know, 30 years up until, uh, you know, 2020. Um, all have been very different. And in uh, each time, you know, 1% kind of decline in GDP has led to um, a 4% uh, decline in, uh, in, in, in hotel demand um, and, and, and performance. I think what's happening right now is our ability to price. Like, so just go back to December's numbers, November's numbers, October numbers. Occupancy flat to 2019, you know, double digit increases in rate. Um, and uh, and so I think that's really what drives RevPar. Uh, uh, in addition to in addition to group demand uh, that's filling in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. And you think all that continues in 23? I think against the macroeconomic headwinds. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, those those young couples that didn't get married because uh, they couldn't find, you know, they could they couldn't get, uh, um, you know, everyone together. Now they can't find space. Uh, companies that are, have been remote, they got to get their folks together. Um, there's a lot of that that happens on an ongoing basis that has really been, you know, postponed from, you know, 21 to 22 to into 23 and then also um, uh, needing to happen. So I, I believe that this year is going to be a year whereby um, you've got some one time occurrences like we all have that in our businesses, you yep, know, yep. that, that kind of take place that will help to buffer this period of time of consternation that, you know, I think, you know, um, you know, folks have. All right. So that's operations. Let's talk transactions. Where, where's Noble putting their money this year? I think, you know, what's interesting is, is uh, um, this, this entire um, discussion around what's happening with values, right? I mean, you can't get to, you know, um, eight, you know, percent interest rates 
and not see a uh, change in, in in cap rates, right? I mean, that's that's you know that's not how uh, the math works. And so the question really is, is that what happens, um, you know, over the course of the next twelve to twenty four months uh, with the credit markets and uh, and you know the regulatory requirements that they have. Um, extending and pretending doesn't really work um, as it as you know as it did before, and, and there's not you know balance sheet lenders et cetera that that you know want to do um, you know anything but have you know strong relationships with their borrowers. But there's going to be real paydowns that need to occur um, in order to have meaningful extensions of loans. I think the other part that's really interesting. Is that you know if after the GFC, when you took stock of of uh, of how much capex spending changed, um, there was forty three percent drop in capex spending from peak to trough um, during the Great Financial Crisis, and we all know what happened, right? Bar borrowers and owners they'd go to their lender and they go to their brand and they'd say, "I need to use my FF and E reserves to go pay the lender." And, and that's what happened. And so then as, as, as demand started coming back, uh, results you know, started happening, there was just no reserves in the account. And so hotels got tired and dilapidated and there, there became these pressure points whereby people need to sell versus put new capital in. All right, so now you fast forward to today. Peak the trough in, in COVID, CapEx spending dropped 73%. And so now the conversation with the lender and the brand wasn't about, oh, I got to pay the lender or is that like, no, 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 you got to make payroll. And so now as you fast forward, you've got a situation whereby you have multiple years where CapEx hasn't been spent. You have demand that is coming back. You have rates that are being charged that are, you know, well above uh, in many cases, you know, um, uh, you know, what, what people charge before. And oh, by the way, the better the hotel, the more you can charge. I mean, it's like, it's simple to think about it, but like in today's environment, you know, we're seeing, you know, courtyards, um, you know, that, that are able to charge well more than, you know, than full service Marriott's or, 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 or the like, because they're just newer, they're better, they're in better shape and condition and, and the like. So put all of that together in the shaker that you've got, um, maturities that are looming, and we all know the stack up of six billion dollars of, of of hotel debt, right? Um, and you've got balance sheet lenders that have regulatory issues that need some sort of paydown. You got owners that have depleted their capex reserves, and there's no 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 real liquidity in which to to kind of you know map that. And oh, by the way, you know for a forty million dollar hotel with you know twenty five thirty million dollars of debt, you're probably down six seven hundred thousand dollars in cash flow because of interest rate increases yeah. um, that, that have taken place. So all of that, I think, um, suggests that we're, we're in a period of time where, where owners will, you know, make decisions on putting in new capital, raising new capital, figuring out a way to live another lifeline or to go do some other things. Um, and as you know, you know, I, I think uh, early in that um, uh, scenario from, you know, second quarter of 21, through second quarter of, uh, of of last year, you know, we saw a lot of the early signs of that uh, well before I think the capital markets, um, um, you know, pivoted. And so our plan this year is to continue to look for uh, opportunities to um, to invest capital, um, you know, Noble Fund 5, 
uh, will, uh, you know, that, that uh, you know, that we're investing right now, I think gives us the ability to continue to invest roughly, you know, two to $3 billion over the next um, a couple of years. And, um, and, and, you know, I think a large portion of that are going to be hotels that are going to either be new um, and have construction loans that need to get paid off where we can either provide new capital as an equal partner, um, or they are going to be hotels um, that need new capital because they need renovations where we can either buy them or we can provide new capital to, you know, an owner to, you know, to solve for a situation. Um, but, you know, you and I were, 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 were chatting about this before, you know, I kind of woke up and, you know, when, uh, uh, um, and, uh, you know, we're all back in the office and, uh, and uh, it hit me that, you know, this is our 30th year, um, you know, since we started, started Noble and uh, I was uh, a 23 year old kid uh, at the time. It's just, it's, you know, when you, you started you, it, not when you uh, had the idea. Yeah. You, you know, and we started the business. We opened up our first Hampton Inn actually in uh, July of, of 94, but we started the business in, uh, in, in 93. But I look back over all those time periods and uh, come, you know, starting the business on, on the backside of the savings and loan crisis and, uh, um, the, the Russian financial crisis uh, of 98, where the ruble collapsed, eerily similar, the dot-com bust of 2000, you know, where all of these new startups, big valuations, no cash flows, um, put a big hole in, uh, in people's uh, retirement accounts. Uh, and then the tragedy of 9-11, Zika, SARS. People don't talk about Zika and SARS anymore. Like, you know, we remember like, like you know, you, you wouldn't travel to Miami anymore, right? right? I mean, uh, and, uh, um, and then the great financial crisis and now, of course, COVID. And, um, you know, we've invested before, during and after all of those different time periods. And I think for us, um, having conviction on um the the right markets and the right street corners and uh and and how you know um this business can really be successful if you're prudently leveraged and you have the scale and resources to kind of operate um in uh in, in dynamic environments um you know has served as well and, and i think this year will be a, a really exciting year um, as we grapple with a number of different macro, uh, uh, you know, uh, things that are out there, but also the reality that there's going to be a significant es escalation of, uh, of opportunities. I listen, why you brought it up or maybe I have to bring it up, but I got to give a hat tip to you last year. I mean, the host deal that you guys were able to pull off is, a, I don't know, game changer, industry changer for private equity in, in my not so humble opinion. So kudos to that. I don't know how you're going to top that going forward. But that says yeah. a lot about Noble, about Host, about our industry. Host, a, my words, a publicly traded company said that we want to be in the limited service space. The best way for us to do that is to invest $150 million in Noble. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, they're they're first of all, um, they're great friends um and and better partners. And uh um I think what we saw together that there was a unique opportunity to take their travel and hospitality platform, our travel and hospitality platform. Um, in their public uh, universe, they can uh, really uh, invest in just luxury and resort offerings, and we can do everything else. So Select Service Extended Stay is one. So they put $150 million in our fund, uh, you know, um, and uh, uh, that we're investing. But I think what's next is also really exciting. There's going to be, uh, I think, continued innovation uh, and evolution of our space. 
And, you know, given, um, you know, our footprint size and, and scale and resources, what, what you know, we really want to do um, is continue to be the leader in all things travel and hospitality. And that, that means, you know, um, uh, finding investment opportunities that, that continue to be, um, uh, you know, the best uh, ways in which to uh, deploy capital uh, and to, you know, create returns, you know, from a, a wide swath of great, you know, um, LPs that we've got around the world. So I'm going to answer, I'm going to ramble for a minute, but I, you know, the whole distress is distress comment. I'm going to answer that. I don't think it is because I think operations are going to be there. And to piggyback what you're saying, I think our industry has evolved significantly from when you started, from when we started. Think about what it was then, right? A lot of mom and pop, a lot of uh, regional, a lot of next door neighbor, even Wall Street, Blackstone wasn't really in the space. Um, it, we have come so far. And even over the last few years, not just 30 years, there are far more owners in our space, developers in our space. There's far more capital. There's far more private equity. There's far more Wall Street. There's more hotels. We've developed. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but our industry was this big and now it is significantly bigger. So today or a year ago, I was selling everything to Noble and to Blackstone in the hundred million, if not 500, if not billion dollar platform. And today we're selling it in the 10 to $20 million to the next door neighbor who stills and go, still has a ton of capital in their pocket, who can go get a loan from their local bank lender, sign personal guarantees. Uh, and they seem to be limitless. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so yeah. much capital still in our space from all angles. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think um, what you, what you said is, is, uh, is, is really telling that, there is a lot of wealth that has been created in this industry, yes. um, in the owner robber community. Um, it's the, it's a beautiful American dream story. And, um, and it has been now for, you know, multiple generations. And uh, I, you know, I, I love the fact that there are, you know, so many folks that are out there that can write um, a big check you know, to buy a hotel, um, to add their add to their portfolio, or it's for a member of their family and the like. I think what's interesting, and, and by the way, I think that's always the case. You know, when uh, when I was chairman of uh, of the board for La Quinta and Corpoint, and you know, we sold. Um, you know, as you know, you're intimately involved in uh, in the business. We sold uh, all the real estate to um, uh, to Mahmood uh, Kimji and, and to Cerberus. You know, uh, talking to Mahmood, um, you know, the strategy was I can take these individual hotels and we can just go sell them one at a time. You have hard work, but like there's there's there's, you know, um, there's alpha that can get created, you know, by these individual owner operators. And they see it uh, in terms of running it and true to form. You know, that's been an, an outstanding execution for them uh, by doing it. It just tells you, you know, how how much value there is in that space. I think the interesting part, you, you said something about distress not taking place. Um and, uh, and, you know, I think that's a word where people's definition of it, it's, it's, it's different, right? But let's just assume that we're talking about stress and we're talking about changes in valuations. And, um, you know, when you've got the amount of debt that's coming due and you don't have a pipe that can fill that and redeploy it, most of these lenders, they can't make new loans until loans are being paid off. The CMBS market has its own set of different challenges. And these loans were done and sized at a level that doesn't exist today, right? 75, 80% leverage doesn't exist today in a traditional form, um, et cetera. 
So while there's great performance and growth in performance in most cases, um, and you know, uh, but there's still this this structural issue on the debt. The other part is there's also forbearance that was tacked on the on, on that right to to get to you know the place that we're at today. So that's one part. The second part is the capex situation is real, and you know you you've had the conversations with you know with with um, Chris Nassetta and Tony Capuano and Mark Alpamazian and 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 Keith Barr and the like and like the reality is that they are only as good as their weakest links in in the brand and and so for them um, you know how do you continue to reinvest in these hotels is a primary focus. And there's a point in time where you just need to do the work. And we've all been in that situation where we've seen this kind of take place. When that's taking place where there's not a capital, a robust capital environment, you know, there's a challenge there. Now, when you add on an interest rate environment that's not free, like it has been for the last 15 years, you know, for the first 15 years of my career, federal funds rate was over 4%. All right. This isn't new. This isn't new to a lot of folks, but it is new, uh, you know, relatively in, in, in the last 15 years. I think those challenges um, create situations whereby the values that we were all looking at a year ago um, um, have, have 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 got to change. Um, you know, we you and I had a conversation about multifamily. Right. Um, multifamily is now, you know, in, in many cases trading at 50, 75 basis points higher than what it was. That's a 20% difference. Industrial, you know, uh, industrial in Nashville was three and a half percent a year ago. It's, it's, it's four and a half um, uh, today. And so while the unleveraged yields in hotels, are better than the leverage yields of any other asset class, they still have to change based on what has happened, uh, you know, with the debt. What do you think cap rates are in hotel space today? Well, look, I think you know, we, we, let's see the trades that 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 come about. There just hasn't been to tell you what you already know. There just hasn't been enough of it. Um, but everyone's focused on values. Um, everyone is like, kind of looking at it and saying, "How do I look? Look the, the look the Blackstone deal that received all the publicity with you know, the four billion dollar investment from the University of California system." Um, if 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 John Gray was with us today, what he would say is that that reinforced the value of BREIT, and their primary focus is we have good assets. And the value was very strong. We now just had a sophisticated investor put $4 billion into it. And yes, Blackstone guaranteed a floor of 11 and a quarter percent, right? Yeah. Now that's probably like an 8.7% when you take their fees and, you know, and you kind of wrap, wrap, you know, wrap it in um, and they get a, they get a little promote, you know, after top of it, but they crystallize value. Yes. And I think what's interesting right now is that there's no broad crystallization of what value is today yet. The leverage buyers, there. I mean, there's no leverage in which to be a leverage buyer. The REITs, only some of them can go play uh, into it. So I think you know you've got um, you know you, you you've got a dynamic environment that's going to take place. There'll be some that you know will need um, to to make decisions sooner than than you know than others. Long-term value was really, really good. 
really, really good. You know, it's you can't build this stuff, you know, for what um, most people have as, as, as their basis. Um, and you've got growth in rates. Um, the secular piece that we didn't talk about, by the way. So if you just fast forward to 2030 from where we were in 2010, there's going to be 40 million more people yeah. in two biggest travel age brackets, 25 to 39 and 55 to 79. Right. 40 million more people in those two major, you know, like traveling buckets of, of, of folks than there were in 2030 than there were in 2010 against supply growth. That's basically going to be one percent. Yeah. Massive demand growth yep. against, you know, virtually the, the lowest supply growth that we've ever experienced. So I think the long term part is really good. The, the question really is, is that how do you deal with this structural crisis that you know we've seen before. So, and I l listen on values. I think that we that we have hit a new norm. I think we're there. I don't think we're adjusting. I think we are there. I think there was a 15, 20% reduction in value, depending on how you do your math. And I think that's where we are. And now we're trying to go from there. I would argue from that decline, values are actually improving because to your point, the operations are doing just fine. Thank you. Rates are still climbing. Thank you very much. I think the macro is good. So now it's, can you get deals done? Yep. And he with the cheapest debt, he or she with the cheapest debt gets the deal. So yep. if you're signing personal recourse with your local lender and he's lending you at five, six percent, you're the buyer. If yep. you're at so for five, six hundred, which is what, nine or ten percent, you are not the buyer. So the right. leveraged buyers on Wall Street are now out of the business sitting on the sideline. And if the nobles of the world can go get relationship lending from Wells Fargo, from Western Alliance, from one of those groups. Or buy all uh, cash. Or buy all cash, um, which is the other one. The Blackstones of the world or the nobles are putting our underwriting from what we're seeing, a SOFR 300, yep. thinking that, that that's the new long-term debt. And if they're yep. confident with that and can find the right assets, that's how we're all underwriting. Yep. And we're getting deals done. We are. I'm shocked at the number of deals done, knock on wood, that we are getting done right now at sort of those levels. There are sellers at those levels. There are buyers at those levels. Now you just got to find the macro. What do you like? Do you like leisure? Do you like business? Do you like urban? Do you like new? Do you like renovation? Figuring that out. Yep. Yep. So our pipeline is still full. That's great. And look, I mean, I know transaction volume, you know, took a step back in, in, in the fourth quarter. Um, and, uh, you know, it's probably going to be like that for the first quarter is, is kind of our, our crystal ball. And then I think as we get to the end of the, fir uh, the first quarter, um, you know, things will, will, you know, become a lot clearer in terms of, you know, what, what's happening out there. And, and I, I also don't believe there's a permanent impairment in value, right? Like, you know, we've always had in our terminal cap rates, like between seven and eight. Right. Right. I mean, and that's yeah. just the way it is. Right. And that's, yeah, that's why this makes this a special business because we don't need, you know, huge cap rate compression. And even when debt was generally free, um, you know, you had, you know, you had, you know, some movement in, in kind of cap rates, but we think the long-term cap rates um, are that. The question is, what do you do in a time period where you've got this much liquidity needed for renovations, as well as for debt extensions or, you know, uh, or, or, or solving for, you know, gaps in debt? And we're seeing, uh, we today, I was on a call today, first that I've really actually seen, CMBS, um, uh, servicer loan due gave an extension, gave a two year extension. Yep. So they're not taking it back. They see the trajectory. They believe in the operator. They believe in the borrower. 
they're not trying to take it back. I, so even though, yes, there's six billion and et cetera that's coming, I, I think as we've seen in the past, all that gets worked out. So there's not a huge amount of distress. That, that's my opinion. I think we are where we are. It's the new normal. It's all going to make the right decisions. And the, for the property, the weak operators, uh, the weak borrowers, the weak assets, those are going to struggle. But for everybody else, you guys, they're going to do just fine. Thank you. When did we have our uh, our first Teague Talk conversation? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what month, what two month? years ago. Probably yeah, so 2020. May, I think April. April, April, May of 2020. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, we have these conversations. I think what's great is that, like, nobody really knows. Like, you know, oh. you can you pontificate about, like, let's, here's what we think that's going to happen. Yeah, let's go back and check uh, the tape. And, uh, you know, um, and so I think we'll be, it'll, it'll be interesting to kind of go back, you know, this time next year and, and to see how all this played out. Um, I will say this, you know, um, thinking about this um, 30 years later, I don't, I've, I don't think I've ever been more excited um, about the future of this industry than I am today. Um, you know, the continued innovation um, product types, I think people recognizing that they want safety, security standards, being able to, you know, check in a hotel and what's really been happening in terms of, um, you know, uh, the, the experience and the product intertwining um, and the fact that the consumer has put a stake in the ground that says, you know, what's not negotiable? What's not negotiable is for me to go and be with people that I care about um, personally, professionally, and uh, I'm going to go do that. Because staying home is not an option, and uh, and that gives me joy in which to go do all those things, and uh, um, and so I I believe that the long term opportunities in this industry uh, are incredible, and uh, and so whatever happens over the next three, six, twelve months, eighteen months, um, the long term you know view is uh, is very very positive. Amen. Couldn't said it better. Uh, Mitt, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're a gem. You're brilliant as always. Um, how many strokes you giving me on the golf course? Yeah, that's that. We'll, we'll, we'll pick that back up a year from now as well. I'm going to go practice. Even, even until proven differently. I love it. All right. You're the man. Thanks brother. We'll do it. Thank Happy you. new year. Happy new year.
what a year this is going to be. We're going to look back. We'll talk at the end of the year. Um, just, you know, I mean, every, every year has just been more and more interesting. Um, you know, this is, I think this is going to be, this is going to be a wild ride. All right. Well, that's what we're talking about. So, all right, let's go. Thanks for joining me. Ready? Cut. Yeah. Intro.